It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome to Episode 8 of the second series of CORE Podcasts. This one's focusing on the CORE 2020 uh, standard that we've had come out. And this particular episode, I've uh, got Deborah and Peter back with me uh, to discuss procedures and, and how procedures have made their way into the CORE 2020 standard. Previous to this, in the previous episode, Peter and I discussed the first question that appears in all elements and sub-elements, except element one. Um, and so now we're actually moving on to what appears in the second question. So what I'd like to do is have you guys introduce yourselves again, if you could, just to um, make sure we re-familiarize with, with these familiar faces. So... Uh, Peter, let's yeah, do you first. Sure. Uh, Peter Smith uh, started with IHSA several years ago as a consultant trainer and moved over to the core department. And my current role is as a core lead auditor. And really what I do is I work with our third-party associate auditors. Awesome. And uh, Deb? Yep. Deborah Moskal. I'm one of the core consultants at IHSA. And previous to this, I was involved in the training and consulting aspect of IHSA. Wonderful. Uh, my name's Marn. I'm also a core consultant. Um, and for the most part, as you go through your certification process, where you're going to encounter me is in the re- detailed review of your internal audit submission and sort of giving you the results on, on the validation of the scoring you've provided. So today, as I mentioned, we are talking about procedures within the core 2020 audit tool. Procedures is a bolded term in the audit tool. So I really want to start whenever there's a bolded term that forms the basis of one of these episodes with that definition. You find that definition in one of the the last tabs in the 2020 audit tool. Uh, And so if we go there, you'll find that procedure itself is defined as a documented specified method to carry out an activity. In this case, the activity we're talking about is actually developing and maintaining your whole system. That's what the activity is as we go through these procedures, rather than something as specific as, um, you know, confined space procedures or emergency response. The activity that the second question, procedure questions covers is your system. So, Deb, do you want to talk to us a bit about... um, the importance of procedures? Sure. So one of the things I would say to focus on when you're developing procedures is to ensure that that you're specific in the process that you're going to be following as an organization. So one of the things that's important is when you look at the question two part um, of the different elements, you'll notice that there's different clauses that we've listed in there um, that we want to have defined. What's important to consider is that we need you to go beyond essentially just copying and pasting the clause into the procedure. And we are looking for you to actually define how that criteria will be accomplished. So you'll want to um, detail out who's going to be involved, how are they going to be involved, when are they going to be involved, um, to really give some context as to the process that you're going to be following as an organization. A good way to start the procedure would be to take a look at your organizational chart to ensure that you're developing the, or sorry, you're identifying the correct individuals to to be a part of the process. And then I would just, again, make sure that each answer to the clause is fully documented. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so when, you, when you're starting to develop these procedures, right, you, you may have something in place, you may not, but it, you want to make sure it reflects what you're actually doing. Right? And if you're starting from scratch, this is the first time you're putting pen to paper, um, 
make just document what your organization actually does with regards to health and safety if this is element two you're looking at how do you go through your hazard assessment process if you're looking at uh element four your your management of uh subcontractors what do you have in place currently and uh it, then you're going to go back to the procedure requirements that we have and fill in the gaps, right? Or have you hit everything? Have you not? Is there any uh, any clauses that you've missed? So you want to make sure that you're capturing those things. And really, the the idea behind Core 2020 is it's it is driven by the procedures, and uh, we want the organizations to really determine what's the best way for them to comply with the procedures. So you know, this leaves room for you to be creative and uh, innovative in how you're, you you uh, tackle these issues or tackle the requirements in the procedures as well, right? Because you want um, it, it makes a lot more sense to come from the organization with your expertise of what it is that you do, as opposed to us telling you what you have to do for your uh, for your health and safety management system. But how do I know if what I do is what the IHSA wants? Are you guys going to give us templates? Good question. No. The short answer to that is no. no. Yeah, it's the, the the issue we found with templates in the past is that it, it just becomes a cut and paste exercise. They're shared around the industry, and you know, eighty percent of the template might hit what your actual your organization actually does. But where's the other twenty percent? And is this going to leave you with a liability with regards to this? Right. So, uh, tell us what you do. You know, we've got. Um, Several, if I look at the same sector of an organization, uh, the industry, let's say a roofing organization, um, one roofer is not the same as the other one. One might be just doing uh, new roofs where the other one might be getting involved in new roofs, re-roofing. They might be into waterproofing. They might yeah. be into building envelope, right? And so their their management system has to reflect that, right? They have to, have to uh, demonstrate how they're going to take care of all these requirements. And it could be very different from one company to the next. So, sure. um, you know, some networking and information sharing out there is always a good thing. But make sure when you're actually putting pen to paper to describe your organization and how you do things, it is specific to your organization. And I think when you look at the audit tool, you'll see that there are different requirements for procedures as you move through element two, um, et cetera, and on. Um, what I would suggest is, is similar to what Peter just said is you probably already have a process in place. So a good way to start the process is to document what you're currently doing the way you're you're doing the process. And the reason that this, I believe, is important is this is a system that workers and the staff are already familiar with internally. Um, so it's not like you need to reinvent the wheel for all of these procedure requirements. So start with what you have, make sure it's clearly documented. And then what I would suggest after that point is then bring in the audit tool and really compare and contrast between what's currently being done to are there any potential gaps and then just build in um, to close any gaps as opposed to starting from from scratch every time. Fair enough. And and yeah, I think I have to echo that as well. I find that uh, a template, when we provide a template, it can often distract a firm from actually just talking about what they already do. Sometimes I see, um, you know, a, a template that's being pulled or a firm that's that's written a program that that I, I will ask them about and how, how are you implementing this? Cause it doesn't seem to match the evidence that you've provided. And the person I'm speaking with on the phone will go on to very clearly describe to me a lovely process for whatever it is that they're doing. They fully understand their process. They have a good process and that process is not what's written. So it would be better all around just to have that process acknowledged in your documentation if it's working for you. 
And I think that's a good way to help ensure with the remainder of the elements as well, because after those procedure questions, we get into the implementation mm. portion um, where we're validating has the procedure been followed as documented. So you want to keep your process to a point where it's efficient, it's effective, it meets the needs of workers, and it, it's it's easy to implement and demonstrate the implementation as defined. Fabulous point. And so I think we've touched on it a couple times briefly, but I'd like to really highlight where are we going to find the procedures in the tool? So question 1.2.1, and then the second question in each element and sub-element. Um, so what I would suggest is, is pay particular attention to clause A, which is the roles and responsibilities. Um, the roles and responsibilities will differ because each of the procedures will have its own topic associated with it. Okay. So a good idea, once again, would be to take a look at the organizational chart to determine who are the appropriate individuals and workplace parties to be involved in the process, and then make sure the roles that we're assigning to those individuals um, do match what they can do and, and I guess, should be doing within the organization. Um, one of the things that I would also suggest is stay familiar to the terminology that staff are used to. So don't call a group of individual supervisors if internally you actually refer to them as four persons or project managers oh, try to keep yeah. it keep it similar to what the workers and the staff are, are already used to um, and then we can use that terminology when we review as well it's about aligning the implementation to the procedures and making sure the procedures are clear in that sense i think it really um, emphasizes the intention with this core 2020 standard as well to focus on writing a program to support a system that's for an organization not for the ihsa to read or or some external person to read and be comfortable with the technology the terminology it's for your staff to read and be comfortable with the terminology correct it, ne it needs to work for the staff in the organization um, not not for us what we want to make sure is, is there a clearly defined process and is it working the way it's intended to? Fair. And, and then I guess the only real checkbox that we'd be looking for there is that, um, you know, regardless of what you're calling it, someone is meeting those legal responsibilities of those particular roles. Correct. So there's certain things we look for um, for a supervisor to do. We don't necessarily care what you're calling that role, just making sure that those uh, legal requirements are covered for example. So I guess one of the other considerations that we have here is with the rules and responsibilities is this should be linked to the competencies and uh, training requirements that you're going to find in element eight. Um, you know, it, you're stating specific people have to do specific tasks and they, they should be made aware of what's the, uh, what are the organizational requirements to be able to take care of that. Right. And we've got uh, specific parts of procedures that do ask that question. Uh, particularly uh, hazard assessment. It does speak to what are the co uh, competencies for hazard assessment. Now, this could be different for uh, different roles within the organization, whether it's a supervisor or you're a subject matter expert uh, providing information for a hazard assessment. But um, understanding your role and what that organizational requirement is going to lead into that, right? And they've got to be made aware of what those are. That's great. Yeah. And, and I think I actually had a pertinent question asked of me yesterday for this. And the question was, you know, I'm looking at my org chart, my organizational chart, and I'm considering these roles and responsibilities. And, and it, I'm, I'm a big company, say, and, and we've got lots of different titles, lots of different divisions. Do I actually have to go through and itemize, you know, my president does this, my VP does this, my, if all those people are going to have overlapping responsibilities, can I just call them senior management? 
And I think in that case, the reality is, as long as it's meaningful to your organization, you, you can certainly combine overlapping responsibilities, as long as you're also making sure that whichever one of those job titles picks up your, your manual, they know what category they fall in. Am I senior management or not? Sure, absolutely. And is, is linking this to the, your organizational chart and the titles you use, and even if there's multiple titles that fall into that senior management category, fantastic, right? It's got to be, our expectation is that you're developing your management system as a usable uh, document for your, uh, for your employees. Uh, the, the rest of the audit, uh, beyond the procedure questions, get into implementation. And the easiest way for you to implement it is if everybody understands clearly what their roles and responsibilities are. So it's it's going to be, uh, le- that will lead to long-term success by looking at it in that way. Yeah. Clarity and usability is is really what we're, we're looking for. Um, so beyond who's doing what, I also want to acknowledge that um, in terms of meeting the expectations of the clauses that are in the procedure, we're not going to be able to get enough information to to score a given clause um, beyond the roles and responsibilities by just listing that clause requirement under a responsibility. So it's not enough to, to say, you know, senior management will ensure and just kind of list the clause there. We also need you to go into the process of how senior management does ensure that. So when Deb was saying before about asking yourselves those questions about who's doing it, well, that's what you've identified there. But we still need to know the what, the how, the when, and all of those other details around it. So make sure that, you know, you're introducing the characters at the top, but you still need to tell us the story uh, as you go throughout. And that's it. Tell us the story about what's going to be accomplished and by whom's going to be doing the task. Um, so for example, not that the supervisor is going to ensure PPE is available, but add some additional context to that. So what do they do to ensure it's available? And do you have any checks and balances within your system to help verify this? Um, maybe what triggers the requirement for a check to occur on the process? So just again, make sure you're adding enough context that we can we can follow the process that's in place. Mm-hmm. And I bet if we asked 10 different companies those questions right now, we'd end up with eh, about 10 different answers in terms of how they do it. And and that, again, sort of reemphasizes that point of why it's important for you to write your own story and use that as a starting point. For sure. Great point. Um, just in addition to this, though, it, it is a fine line. You, you want to have that specificity where you're saying this is what has to be done when, uh, who's going to do it. Um, but, but you want to write it in such a way where it's not impossible to achieve, where you're going to be able to consistently uh, comply with this on, an, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. Uh, example, and this might be uh, from out of left field, but let's say an uh, organization writes down that meetings will happen every Monday at 8 a.m. in room 501. Well, what happens on holiday Monday? What if you start at 8.05? What if the room gets moved? It's these aren't the things that we're looking for. We're looking for a consistent um, delivery or make sure that the, this meeting is consist- consistently held uh, with the room, the location, the actual start time. These aren't, this, are, this isn't what we're looking for within regards to that, right? But we want to make sure there's that consistent framework that you can comply with. So don't paint yourself into a corner where it's going to be impossible to comply with, but provide enough information that if uh, one of your employees is uh, looking for direction on what they have to do, for their specific role, they've got that clear direction in the procedure. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I appreciate the 
the voice of reason, Pete, as, as always. Um, it's, it's important to make sure it's always uh, doable, that what you're doing, uh, what you're writing. So the other thing I, I, I notice when I think about the procedures is how many of the procedures that get written under a systematic approach that are going to tie into other procedures of your program, just naturally. Um, it makes sense because it, it's, it's a system. It's designed to work together. The pieces are designed to overlap and integrate and work together to achieve that overall commitment to health and safety that appears in your policy statement. That's your element 1.1, but it's also, you know, a, a fundamental legal requirement under the Act. So that's the ultimate commitment that we're designing this system to achieve. Um, and when you write those procedures, you know, there's no reason that you can't make mention of those connections to the other processes in other procedures, rather than having to rewrite the entire process, the same process in two places, there's no reason you can't reference another section of your manual. Um, so, for example, there's there's a lot of items like hazard assessment that ties into something like the formal controls element. It's also potentially linked to your um, procurement and contractor management because there's hazard assessment clauses there. Uh, you don't necessarily need to rewrite your hazard assessment procedure under procurement. Y you can reference those procedures um, as you go through. Absolutely. You, you've created, you, you've put time and effort into that document. It's got value. Just make the reference to it, right? And, and this will help you with that uh, document control long term because it's, as you make revisions, as you're making changes to it, because, you know, core is about uh, continual improvement. You are going to be making changes and revisions. Uh, you're only changing things in that one place. And then as you make reference to it, it's not you're getting away from that uh, thought of having to change things in multiple locations and remembering where all these locations are that you've referenced similar material. Reference it or document in one spot, make reference to that throughout the rest of your management system, and I think it'll be a, a smoother process to run overall. So another area to consider with respect to document and record control is audit question 1.2. And you'll find links to this throughout the various elements in the audit tool. So please make sure that the process and your expectation for how documents will be um, maintained is consistent in accordance with audit question 1.2. And you have evidence to show that that process is being followed throughout the different topics in the audit tool. Um, now this can be a digital system, a paper system, or a hybrid. Again, here just looking for evidence that a process is clearly defined and implemented and followed. It makes me think um, sort of the connection to what Pete was saying just before with your document and record control um, and only changing it one place, having those those links rather than re-describing definitely will tie into that in terms of ensuring there's no obsolete sections left hanging out in your uh, in your manual by by including those linkages. So it's a nice little, I don't know, works for me. Seems like a, a good idea. Yeah, for sure. Energy efficient is our... Uh, Energy well, efficient. That's what I like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I guess one of the last considerations, though, is, that, is communicating these requirements. So so you're you're going out there, you're documenting what it is that you do, but then there there's the potential for gaps in between our procedure requirements and what you, what you are actually doing. You document this, and there might be some small revisions, and there will be revisions over time. Again, we're looking at this from a continual improvement standpoint. Um you want to make sure how you're communicating this to each one of the individuals that has those roles and responsibilities, whether it's senior management, supervision, workers, uh, everyone's got to understand their role. And that really does start with that communication of it. 
So they, this should be planned into each one of the elements as well. The, the proce procedures should include who will communicate the requirements and how this uh, messaging is uh, shared throughout the organization. That's, that's a very important po point, Pete, and I, I'm glad that you made it. I think it's one that we've um, also subscribed to at the IHSA with CORE, right? The, the podcast is one of our forms of communication that we're trying to get it out. But at the end of the day, what we're, we're stressing for our document and record control as well as communication is that website reference, that the fact that that's where you've got to go for our controlled documents, our most current stuff. And, and that's actually our process behind the scene. If you were to look at our document and record control for trying to make that communication consistent to the industry. So, you know, I've really enjoyed having this conversation with both of you. And it's such an important topic this one, the idea of procedures. You know, it's easy for us to talk about it conceptually, I'd say, but it's hard to emphasize the weight of, of having those procedures that really suit what you're doing, that match your intended implementation, and, and work for your organization. Hitting that right balance is, is a challenge. It's easier said than done, I would say, but it doesn't have to be insurmountable. It is one of those things I'd encourage you to reach out to the IHSA if you're struggling with it or if you're just not sure if you are striking that balance and you'd like some feedback. You can reach out to core at ihsa.ca and uh, be referred to you know, a core consultant or a lead auditor, depending on what your needs are. And we'd be happy to work through you know, procedures and the concept of with you when you call. So just again, this is such an important topic and I'm really excited that we had such fabulous guests in today to, uh, to chat about it with, with me. Um, I'm going to ask again for a couple words here from each of you. This is a tough one to summarize quickly. Um, do you have a quick sort of uh, key concept that w is with procedures? Be specific. Again, not so specific that you're backing yourself into the corner, but define your process. So again, go beyond copying and pasting the clauses. Tell us how these items are going to be met and who's going to be involved. And just make sure it's achievable so that it can be validated in the implementation section. And to add to that, uh, focus on how. Focus on how things are going to be accomplished within the uh, procedure. You've got an idea in mind on how uh, what's supposed to happen, what, it's, what it looks like, what's actually happening already in the organization. Um, but if you read it, read it, does it explain that how? Does it uh, paint it in that same picture? Right. So just look at it from... Um, uh, a new person coming into the organization, not familiar with the process at all. They read it. Will they understand how? And if, if you meet that, uh, you're going to be successful with this. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming back in. This was fun. Thank you, Martin. Thanks, Martin. IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.